Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the Double Edge Double Bill, where you get two film and or media discussions for the price of one, which is nothing. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to randomly select the yin and yang of a double feature. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 to seal their fates for each episode. Let the chaos begin! I am Thomas Mariani. And I am Sir Adam Thomas. Ooh, Sir Adam, yes. You must be the leader. You must take us to the leader. The Claw. Other alien references. Yes, in case you couldn't tell, in honor of this week, we're uh, putting this out on the 4th of July. Uh, Adam and I decided, you know, well, one of the biggest 4th of July movies uh, ever released was Independence Day. And we decided, you know, 4th of July week, let's do alien invasion films. Uh, alien invasion, an interesting subgenre um, that really can make us focus on each other as people. Really, it's a big metaphor, Adam. Yes, absolutely. Uh, every time I see an alien invasion movie i do a lot of uh you know deep deep self-thought yes it's, uh, it's therapy for me yes especially with uh the two movies you have the two bad ones um uh-huh. there will be i'm sure plenty of insight to get through but first let's do uh the two good movies yes for those of you who don't know um each of us come to the table with two movies one of us is too good one of us is too bad we alternate on that and uh, whoever uh, picks the number between 1 and 10 and is closest to whatever film, that is the one that we cover for either good or bad. So uh, let's get this started, Adam. Pick a number between 1 and 10 for one of my two good choices. I will go number dead in the middle, 5. Okay. At number 7 is a, a film I'm very glad we're honestly covering. It is the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, I, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. I yeah. love that movie and that version especially. That's it's a great version oh, of a so good. of 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 a concept that's been done many times. It maybe is the best version, and it wasn't the first. Well, we'll talk about I that agree. for sure. And by the way, at number two was another film that I don't think is too much a slouch yet. Speaking of Mr. Fourth of July, the original Men in Black was at number two. You know, I like the original Men in Black. I always forget about that. I don't know how fun that one is. I would argue the first Men in Black is the best Will Smith movie, and also is one of the most perfectly constructed screenplays of any big blockbuster of the last twenty-five years. Wow, I I have I really <laughs> love the first Men in Black a lot. I, I, I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm afraid it'll happen. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that some other time, Adam. But now it's time for me to pick a number between one and ten for your choices. Oh, let's yes, see, two, sir. Two bad alien invasion movies. I'm and there was go. a lot to, to go through for this, so go ahead. I am going for number three. At number two, the magnum opus of King John Travolta, Battlefield Earth. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so weird! Goosey Gotti! Yeah. yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, that shit's best. Number seven, I had Battle Los Angeles. You know... At least we got the more memorably bad movie, because I've seen both these, and I at least remember Battlefield Earth. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Man, there were so many I, I could have thrown in, but then I got stuck on the word battle. I'm like, all right. And believe it or not, there's like a hundred movies, <laughs> alien movies, got the word battle in the title. I'm like, this is just... All right, we'll just go with this shit show. I was going to throw Skyline in there, but I know how much you love that movie, so that's why I didn't pick it. Once again, we're picking at least the more memorable bad movie uh, of your choices, <laughs> for sure. Um, but enough talking about that. We'll be back to discuss alien invasion things right after this. No detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? 
I didn't tell you my name. Can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nose bleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. <laughs> We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Get down! Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. And we have returned. Uh, we have just seen our double feature, and uh, we've been uh, truly assimilated, haven't we, Adam? Or are you really Adam? Yes, I am really Adam. See, that's sure. the chemistry that I really love <laughs> out of you, Adam. That's the, Thanks, that man. woody repartee that just makes it real sharp, up. real quick. Yep. <laughs> Perfect psychic. You're like my Ed McMahon. Always yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> it's a reference so old I shouldn't be saying it. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of older films, um, our first feature for the evening is the original 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Now, this is the second of, as of yet, four adaptations of the Jack Finney book, the Body Snatchers. Um, this is following the 1956 version, uh, directed by Don Siegel, who they do a lot of Clint Eastwood movies, and uh, starring Kevin McCarthy, who you might know from, you know, the Joe Dante movies he always appears in, and other stuff like mm-hmm. that. But let's just talk about that original movie a bit more, because that was a very sure. crucial uh, sort of science fiction piece at that time, especially because it really, well, despite being just, you know, about... A guy going around, discovering things are slightly off, realizing, oh my god, everybody around me is some form of alien. He really is discovering the fact that, oh my god, um, these people aren't who I know, which is immediately, obviously, relatable to, at that time, the Red Scare. It's a premise that's inherently, uh, has a lot of metaphor baked into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a classic for sure. It's, you know, if you haven't seen it before, watch it now, it's going to come across a little dated. Uh, just obviously because of when it was filmed and the black and white and the, it's a little hokey in some parts, but it's still kind of, you know, like, yeah, it still kind of applies to today. You know, it's interesting how you mentioned that because I'd seen the two earlier versions of this premise prior. I'd seen the 56 version and I had also seen the 78 version that we're going to be talking about today. But I also decided to just watch all of the versions that have existed, including the 90s one and even the 2007 one, which I hadn't seen before. You know, I don't think I've seen the 90s one. The 90s one, it's directed by Abel Ferrar, and it's got Stuart Gordon and Larry Cohen have screenwriting credits on it, and it's got a lot of those influences in there. It's not nearly as good as these earlier two, but it's interesting, especially because it all takes place on a military base. There's a lot of good, like, underrated character actors in there. It's I, I think it's worth a look. It's definitely the most underappreciated of the ones uh, that have been made so far. The invasion's garbage. It's it's just as bad as you've heard for yeah, variety it's really reasons. bad. Yeah, it's uh, boring as hell. Oh my god, yeah, it's and it sucks because that was a perfect time to do that. Um, with the Bush mm-hmm. era, wonderful time to do that. But we're getting off track. So, uh, with the original version, um, like you mentioned, there's a lot of great stuff baked into it, but it is a bit dated in terms of it does kind of feel almost like a extended Twilight Zone episode, especially like the sort of first like. 20 to 30 minutes or so is a lot of just Kevin McCarthy like, well, you know, I'm a well-respected doctor in the neighborhood. Everybody loves me. And things are just a bit peculiar around here. And it takes a while to kind of get to the meat of the story. But when it does, it's really phenomenal. And I would say that the 78 version does what any great remake should do and really improve upon that. On the pantheon of horror remakes, this has got to be easily one of the greatest, if not the best one, in my opinion. There's things about this movie that still creep me out. There's things about this movie that still hold up, um, not just in subtext alone. I mean, there's just there's some just wickedly scary imagery in this movie, and I mean the performances pretty much all around are just fantastic. Yeah, we should give a lot of credit as well to uh, director Philip Kaufman for this one, who probably his best known film would be The Right Stuff, which he would do shortly after this. Um, and I think it's a big testament to sort of people who aren't normally in the horror genre kind of coming into it and doing something interesting. Because I don't think he really directed much horror before or afterward. And um, it, it's really just like him sort of baking a lot of sort of those intense kind of like building tension moments into this in a really interesting way that also kind of feeds into the horror and the special effects stuff. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of the people in this aren't known for genre and uh, a lot of the people behind the scenes, but I guess sometimes that's what it takes, man, for some people to just come out and knock it out of the park. Well, one person who would be known for a lot of genre stuff is the screenwriter is W.D. Richter, who would later be the writer-director on Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension and also wrote Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, prior to this, and it's a really smart script. I think that's the big thing I appreciate, is the stuff they changed from the original really helps to, like, get you invested in a different way in the characters and build up a lot more of a grounded relatability. Like I said before, Kevin McCarthy in the original is so much more of, like, a goody-goody doctor. With Donald Sutherland here, he's, you know, kind of what Donald Sutherland was in the 70s, which was an asshole that still is affable and you very believable. Oh. Yeah, you could interchange his character with this character from Animal House. It's like the same guy. He's wearing the same <laughs> outfit, too, basically. Yeah, Just you don't see his ass in this one, thank God. That's true, no, you don't. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love that whole scene where you see him as a health inspector, and he's going around, it's like, was it a rat? turd it's a great example of making him obviously like somebody who you know in any normal movie situation just like oh he's the snooty type but then you get to know him a bit more you see his kind of chemistry with brooke adams and it's very believable i love the scene where they're out just like um eating on the porch deck area yeah that's such a great scene yeah Yeah. and you really get a connection between those two and how she's kind of being ignored in her marriage and brooke adams also we need to talk about is uh, i always kind of thought of her as like a um, second-rate Margot Kidder, but this might be, like, her best performance ever. She's just... It's 100% her best performance. She's fantastic in this movie. Just those wide eyes of her, too. I, I mean, does she sell emotion in this movie or what? But I want to go back to what you are saying about Sutherland, about how, you know, oh, this guy's just kind of, like, the snooty character. Well, he is. That's the good part. That's the amazing part about this character. He is still a snooty prick, even though you get the moments of sensitivity with him and Brooke Adams and... Or, you know, he does become, like, the reluctant hero of the movie for the most part, but he's still kind of a snooty prick the whole time, and I like it because that's real. Yeah, and also it's an interesting kind of parallel to, like, the sort of superiority you would later get out of the aliens as things kind of come into effect. That he kind of has that about himself over the people that he judges as a health inspector, and the aliens later oddly seem at least more convincing in the way they talk about like hey you know we just want everybody to be equal we're just trying to be cool and you're being a dick dude so why don't you just come over to our side <laughs> that'd be so much better if that's exactly how they said it to him <laughs> look bro i don't know what your fucking problem is but we're just trying to have, have everybody get along and you're just fucking shitting in everybody's cheerios like just get with the picture man <laughs> the next invasion of the bystander stream it just needs to be that yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It's like all the aliens are fucking heading to Bernie, man. <laughs> Whoa, man, just relax, bro. Shit. Speaking of aliens that may be perceived as super logical, uh, Leonard Nimoy is in this movie, and mm-hmm. it might be his best non-Spock related performance as well, because uh, he—it's he, great. Where early on, he—he's initially sort of like a self-help kind of guru type guy who was very popular in the 70s that kind of character archetype and you see him at the book signing like trying to calm down someone who's clearly like no my husband is an alien it's like look we all seem alien to each other but we can come together and, right. <laughs> and really i think resolve this marriage pretty well it, it's great where he's a quack but he also kind of does want to try and treat people better it's it's interesting and then once he becomes full-on alien it's terrifying the whole we were carried here by the solar winds speech yes yeah what the fuck is up with that glove thing apparently he did that literally just to make the character more interesting he wanted some affectation what the hell is it it's weird kind of it adds so much more characters like does he have like carpal tunnel or something is there uh, some kind of like weird bracing that happened to his hand does he have a burn mark on there it's you're not really quite sure what it is um and apparently he uh got the idea from a friend of his who did actually have a burn on his hand he uses like a leather piece to cover it up it adds so much oh. to the character without even pointing out anything about it. I thought it was like fucking like an archer's glove or something like that. I'm like, he just didn't fucking go out back and just let loose a couple arrows. Or he's just like, sorry, I just got back from the bowling alley. I'd like to wear this on here just to make sure I don't rough up my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Had a pretty good game. Had a pretty good game. So anyways, yeah, the, the aliens aren't real. Come on. <laughs> but would you say um, it's probably his best non-Spock performance as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd almost argue that it's his best performance, period, even Spock included. I don't think he's ever better than he was in this movie. I don't know. Wrath of Khan, dude. Yeah, I gotta kind of give you that one. <laughs> 
I have and always shall be your friend. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right, I'll give you that one. But, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> this is a close second. It's a very close second. Oh yeah, definitely, man. I mean, he's a. Uh... He's pretty fantastic in this movie. You know, when he passed away, nobody really brought up this performance. I mean, obviously, because he's Spock. I mean, he'll always be Spock. But, you know, other people were bringing up his albums and stuff like that. But I never, I didn't see one person bring up this performance. And it's like, this is the one I, I think like, people have been sleeping on. Like, they need to see this one or at least revisit it. You know, this is pretty great, but then again, the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, Adam. Oh, it's, for fuck's sake. <laughs> he's only three feet tall, Adam. Oh, God. Um, but so, you know, speaking of uh, all the faces in here, uh, we should mention a very early appearance by someone who we've talked about a few times in the past of our episodes, Jeff Goldblum. Very mm. early appearance by him. Oh, um, super young. Yep. And a wonderful part, especially I love the bit where Donald Sutherland's calling the police and he picks it up just like, hello, hello? Police murder. <laughs> Puts it yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny. You get to see just Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum, you know, at that young of an age. Like he's just still got the all those quirks that you know. Obviously, I, I think he's sort of added on to them and embellished now that he's getting older. But you know, his core personality was still there. It was funny, especially his first line when Donald Sutherland comes in. It's just like, "Are we going to dinner afterwards? These people are pissing me <laughs> off." <laughs> it feels very relatable to that. And also, I, I like the fact there's, at the same time, something that isn't in a lot of other Goldblum movies, which is like a youthful anger when he goes yes. back up to his apartment and he looks over at Veronica Cartwright and she's just like, you didn't get to read your poetry, did you? And he just slams the book on the ground. You know, yeah, it's it's funny, you know, as we brought up, well, or I brought up the, you know, the pantheon of good horror remakes, uh, you gotta throw the fly in there, too, obviously. Right. He does it so well in that movie too. That youthful rage and anger you don't see out of him anymore, like ever. When's the last time you saw Gold? Well, obviously you can't do youthful. But when's the last time you saw Goldblum give a real passionate performance? Uh, well, I mean, in this summer's uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, in his oh, which I five heard was six... just a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> and I just love watching him in that movie. He's in, he's only in a courtroom. Like all you've seen in the trailers is pretty much all he's in the movie, and it clearly oh, looks God. like he only did it just so he could take his paycheck and use it to pay parking tickets down the hall. In that courtroom. Oh, sure. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so stupid. It's so terrible. Um, But no, yeah, he he is really, like, young energetic here. And I like him bouncing off of Veronica Cartwright, who obviously people would know from Alien. uh, But she's, Mm -hmm. I think, the most, one of the more underrated in terms of the scream queens out there. Because she just sells terror so perfectly. That last shot, you're like, oh my god, the world has just crashed around her. You know, the infamous Donald Sutherland and her shot. Yeah. But funny, I don't know if you, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you uh, knew this as well, but Veronica Cartwright was actually also in The Invasion. Yeah, I, I watched that movie, she shows up. Well, she, I don't know. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she shows up, goes over to Nicole Kidman, just like, hey, they're after us, and she gets hit by a car. Yep. That, that That's it. <laughs> Speaking of random cameos, we gotta talk about it in here. There's a few, um, obviously in that vein, uh, we have um, Kevin McCarthy, which obviously isn't that random, um, but is a wonderful use of a cameo in terms of Mm -hmm. having him here. It almost feels like it's a, he's been on the road traveling, telling people about this for 30 fucking years since he was in the previous movie. It looks like it. It looks like it, for sure. Um, And then... uh, I love how they sell it. Like it's initially like, oh, it's a wink and a nod. That's cute, whatever. And then he gets hit by a fucking car, and she gets right. really serious. Yeah, like quickly too. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have a. It almost doesn't give you a chance to react to it. It's, it comes so quick, and it's such a shock. I mean, it, it sends a jolt. You're right to you, where it's just like yeah. it could. It's something that in a lot of other movies, like say Jurassic World, where they just have to linger on. Like, look, there's Jeff Goldblum. You fucking love him from the other movies, right? Here he is getting the paycheck, as opposed to here. It's like, oh, look, here's that guy from the previous movie. And you know how that previous movie uh, just kind of with, like, a semi-happy ending? Um, This isn't happy for him, because he's fucking dead. He got run over by a fucking car. exactly. It just happened. Exactly. It really ups the stakes. Um, And also, speaking of the original movie, Don Siegel plays the taxi cab driver um, that ends up trying to bring them almost to the airport. But um, but I love the fact that apparently 
the terror on Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams' face is very genuine because um, they Don Siegel at that point was like losing his eyesight pretty badly, and he was actually driving, so they were very concerned <laughs> about his ability to drive. You would never get away with that nowadays. Nope. There'd be no way. No fuck, they'd be on a trailer getting bold. There's no fucking way. <laughs> I love the way movies used to get made, dude. Fuck it, blow it up. <laughs> we need the shot. <laughs> and and that was another thing where, like, during that climax, all of a sudden was like, no, I want to do my own stunts. It's like, dude, there's a big explosion. You, I know. you nearly died. Yeah. Oh, well. It's just, I, I, like I said, you can't do that now. There's no, no. way. M- movies were just, I could tell, like, the Wild West, man. They just did whatever the hell they wanted to to get the movie done. Yeah, um, and also speaking of the to finish off the cameo bit, Robert Duvall, very early in the film, just swinging on the swings as a priest. How bizarre was that? You know, <laughs> I forgot. I completely forgot about that until the yeah. rewatch, and I'm like, wait a second, is Robert Duvall like in this movie? Nope, nope, just that, pretty much. <laughs> Nah, yeah, and I love that he was literally paid by Philip Kaufman uh, with an Eddie Bauer jacket. That's the only compensation that he got for swinging on a swing. Fuck. But it, that, it does immediately unsettle you. It, it's a great way of, like, from for one thing, uh, we need to talk about how masterful and kind of oddly very grounded scientifically the actual opening of the movie is with the spores coming from the planet mm. onto the Earth. Um, that is still unsettling. That feels like a health class video that you shouldn't have seen from that era. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it absolutely feels like that. It feels like, well, I guess you said it properly. I don't want to actually get into details, but it represents how babies are made, I think. Like, and how it gets on there and immediately the cut to all of the flowers that are blooming and the children that are going over there and Robert Duvall as the seer of doom just looking yeah. at like, them kids are fucked. They're, they're down for the count. <laughs> I swear to God, if we could rewrite some of these movies with the way that we, uh, you know, give the quick version of some of the dialogue, they'd be such better movies. If Robert Duvall's a priest was getting, them kids are fucked. They're down for the count. Yes, it's it's almost as if these movies wouldn't be classics anymore if we we wrote them the way we do. There'd be no good movies left anymore. (laughs) You must do that. Uh, but anyway, anyway, um, why don't we talk a bit more about in terms of the special effects work? Uh, we really need to credit because it's it's like I said that from that opening onward, we just get these mm. very goopy, very much like in the earlier movie in the fifty six version, it's sort of just like um, the big pods and then the du- duplicates are just kind of bubble around and become into existence. Versus here, all the vines that are coming out and they're just like the moss that grows over people as they slowly kind of inflate. As it were, I, I just love yeah. how it's executed. That the scene with uh, where Donald Sutherland falls asleep in his yard and he wakes up and though there's his copy still sitting there, not completely fully formed yet. That fucking scared me half to death when I first saw this when I was a kid, and it stuck with me this whole time to the point where I still felt a felt a uh, sense of like tension and uneasiness knowing that it was coming. Uh, some about it, I don't know if it is like the almost inflating of the body. Or, or just the general, like, where it looks like KY jelly all over him or something. It just bothered me so much. And it still holds up pretty well. Yeah, also the pig squeal sound effects really help with that. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. How creepy. <laughs> you know what else really scared me as a kid, and now it's pretty stupid looking, but the dog with the human face. Yeah, to be fair, when I always when I see that, I always think of the Simpsons tree as a horror bit with Jasper. Becoming a dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is probably the one thing, because literally just put an old man mask on a dog. Um, it doesn't quite hold up that well. But you know what does, and still honestly kind of terrified me, is when Brooke Adam, when Don Sutherland comes back over to Brooke Adams, and he realizes, like, oh no, she's been changed, and he, like, cradles her, and she fucking disintegrates in his hands? That's still really oh, fucked know. up. Oh, <laughs> That's so messed up, dude. <laughs> what a bleak movie. I mean, this movie is so bleak, dude. Right, and that's what the original vision was for the 56 version, but they very hastily put on that ending. It's just like, oh, we gotta get everybody around and make sure we stop these people from doing this. And even the Body Snatchers one from 93 kind of does that. It tries to have it kind of both ways, honestly. And then yeah. the, the Invasion infamously did that, where they had an ambiguous ending, and they reshot the last 20 minutes to make it a happy ending that was so fucking stupid. 
Oh my god. Um, this is the only one that really keeps up that consistent bleakness. And with it, especially, mm-hmm. you know, for that time, the late 70s, um, post-Watergate, uh, you could understand that. But clearly we can't relate to any of that bleakness at all in our modern No, not age. at all. Yeah, no, no, everything's fucking sunshines and rainbows right now. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it just... <laughs> it, it really comes off. Um, but no, like, that bleakness, I think, is what makes the movie kind of timeless to me. Just in terms of it, it, for any kind of point where you feel that sort of anxiety about people who are in power and that sort of crushingness of just like everything around you seems to be caving in. Um, yeah, probably is. <laughs> you're probably fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I'm a big fan of movies that are, you know, that sort of bleak endings where, you know, not everything has to end on a high note. And this is one of the ones I always think of when I when people ask like which for some examples, this one like Day of the Dead stuff like that. But this one, Jesus, it's like no matter there's they're you they're one hundred percent fucked. The second those things hit the planet, they're done. Well, yeah, there's and no and, the, and what works is it's not just an ending; it's a consistent bleakness that really builds up. Mm-hmm. Where it almost it feels less like an invasion like horror movie, more like a political thriller. In its own oh, way. absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. It's got tinges of like even like Manchurian Candidate. There's tinges mm-hmm. of stuff like that in here, um, especially with the Art Hindle character. It's just yeah, dude. It's a fantastic movie. Shout out to Art Hindle, by the way, in terms of just like he really sort of like establishes the performance of all the other duplicates to follow, mm. with just how much like how he's vaguely convincing enough of just like somebody who's like sort of distant, but at the same time feels kind of human. And in a way where, like, he bounces off Brooke Adams really well, where you see him earlier on, and he's got, like, the, I love him testing out the new speakers and not really kind of paying attention to her, but paying attention to all the new toys and shit. And in the moment he's, like, in a suit and she, like, touches him, she realizes something's off. That's a great thing it takes from the original movie and kind of builds upon as well. Just, like, that sense of touch that immediately gets you, mm-hmm. like, this isn't the person I know, this isn't the person I love. Uh, it does a wonderful job at that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he uh, he sets the bar for how all the other ones, you know attempt to act it's some not as good as others but yeah no art Hindle, he's he's so fucking unnerving in this movie man like he's so just creepy with that just blank stare at his yep and also the entire time i was watching i'm like has there been a movie yet where he's played peter dinklage's father and why don't we have that <laughs> am i <Yeah>. wrong <laughs> no you're right you're right but anyway uh also a big credit to speaking of the various different sort of um, invaded people. Um, this movie has, I think, some of the best extra work in a movie I've ever seen, which is the way that they utilize the extras at any point, especially those that have been taken over. Just the way that they're staring perfectly, where you—it's that whole thing where they're staring and you think, like, are they staring at me? Are they staring at something right behind me? You're not quite sure, but everybody's mm-hmm. doing it, so you're immediately suspect to it. That's one of the most unnerving things to me too, in movies or in, like you know, in real life when. You just can feel someone looking at you, but then when you look back at them, they don't turn their gaze. Yeah. That it's so creepy when you meet somebody's eyes who stare at you. You're like, hey, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this guy looking at? Holy shit. It's just, it's so creepy to me. Another one that did it good was, uh, I know we don't want to keep talking about other movies, but like in Inception, when they all, when they started noticing them. Yes. That, that just fucking, that got to me too. It got to me, man. Well, it speaks to, I think, the influence of something like this Body Snatchers. I can see that there, too. Even the other Body Snatchers movies that followed definitely borrowed from this movie in terms of mm. a lot of sort of, like, the use of the, the like the way the people transform and stuff like that is very much taken from this movie. Um, and obviously the, the finale, which we need to, I guess, go into more detail about that sure. final shot. Um, and even, like, the build-up to it also, I think, is incredible, where it does such a great job of convincing you enough that it's like, nah, he's just faking it. He's just going around, like, he's not really turned... He's he's just he's still our boy. We still know what he's doing, mm. and uh, then especially I love the shot where it's of him walking uh, beneath the trees that all look so dead, uh, like right yeah, before the big yeah, final yeah, shot. Yeah. That's such yeah. a great shot to just kind of keep you in that sense of like suspension uh, for what's going on. And then Veronica Cartwright shows up, and the interesting thing is she was much in the same way as the audience at the time, in the dark, about what Donald Sutherland would do immediately from there, because they apparently had the happy ending sort of written into the shooting script, and mm-hmm. Philip Kaufman purposely was just like, you know what, um, I'm going to make sure they don't force me to have this ending like they did for Don Siegel, so I'm just going to shoot this ending and say, like, nah, we're, we're done, we're fine. 
we're gonna <laughs> so they couldn't fuck around with it. Thank God. Because come on, dude, you're telling me if they would have went the way they wanted to where they both are, you know, still alive but they're just pretending to be pods, then these pod people are the dumbest motherfuckers <laughs> that someone could just pre- Oh, I too am like you, buddy. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, cool. I for one welcome our pod overlords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but that, and then Don Sutherland does the the famous pointing and sound effects, and which is Ver- so creepy. Yep, and, and apparently he did that on set and just terrified Veronica Cartwright right then and there. And close up on his mouth, and it's like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah, have a good night, over. everybody. <laughs> Take it easy. Enjoy the drive home. <laughs> Fuck. No, it's just it's. I mean, what a ballsy way to end a movie. Where it's like, yeah, we're all dead. Or replaced, or however you want to call it, but, I mean, dead. And I feel like at this point, the sort of legacy of that movie is that shot, really. Like, most people probably know this movie just from that shot of Don Sutherland, because I've seen that gift so many times. Oh, absolutely. That's, like, yeah. just everywhere. That's probably, it's the big legacy of the movie. But it's a great example of, like, it, it is kind of like a Citizen Kane thing, where just because you know Rosebud's the sled, doesn't mean this movie isn't still great, knowing that ending. Because I knew that mm-hmm. ending prior to even seeing this, and it still is, was really effective the first too, time. I'm pretty yeah. sure I did, too. I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. I, I love this one. I've owned this movie in every format multiple times over, actually, from loaning them out or you know getting the new collector's edition when it comes out or anything like that. I, this, I mean, it is. this is one of my favorite movies uh, across genres. I mean, I just love this movie to death. Well, I guess you should probably go a bit more into your final thoughts than from there, Adam. Uh, just overall final thoughts on Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978. Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978, a thesis by Adam Thomas. Um, <clears throat> I, I, wanted, I, I better see that bibliography. All them sources better be in there, Adam. Right, yeah. Uh, no, fuck that. It's sci-fi perfection. It's uh, horror perfection. It's just filled to the brim with just fantastic performances and it, crazy fucking visuals and just this feeling of dread throughout it's like we said before it's so bleak but if dude it's it's one that has to be seen it's one that i feel even though it does get these collector's editions and stuff i don't feel it's talked about as much as it should be i feel this movie should be right up there when people talk about like the thing or the Fly or some other Cronenberg movies, and I feel this one deserves a spot right in there. And if if you haven't seen this movie, I mean, get out of bed, go go see the movie. It's such a fantastic. Or stay movie. in bed and watch the movie as well. You can or do that. Stay now. in bed, watch whatever you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. <laughs> they have these things called the video cassettes that they can watch the what? movies on now. I know it's weird. I'm still on Betamax. I'm in the future. I got laser discs, buddy. The wave of the future. You got those silver records. Um, No, I just think if you haven't seen this movie, you got to see it. It's a fantastic movie. Yes, and even though it is one, like we mentioned, that you might have already seen at least the ending of to some degree, um, it's still, quite frankly, an amazing movie that has, like you mentioned, like so many great performances, really great special effects work. Something we did mention, uh, shout out to uh, Danny Zietlin, um, who is a jazz musician, and this is his only score. Um, amazing, weird, creepy Wow, score. really? Yes. That, this is a fan. I can't believe this didn't get him more work. Or maybe he just didn't want to do it anymore, because this is a fantastic score. Yeah, it's that weird blend of like, there's like a jazz fusion with the horrific nightmare score at the same time it's mm-hmm. it's really weird and unsettling in a way that really matches the entire film and i will say i do think that at least the first three different invasion of the biosanders movies um have done an incredible job of kind of taking the premise and putting it in their modern times and i wouldn't mind seeing a new version of it that you know did a better job of it than the invasion did perhaps because uh, the story that can kind of yeah. adapt to the times but still at the same time they really have to step up their game I think stop trying to kind of replicate what this movie did, which I think the other ones that have come out have kind of tried to do too much. We almost have already gotten that with something like Get Out. Get Out, honestly, is kind of like oh, yeah, the, the best modern invasion of the Biosanders we've gotten as of yet. But I think it's uh, still a palpable story that can be uh, really effective if somebody takes it and does something unique and timely with it. And this movie did that, as of yet, the best of any of the versions out there. I concur. 
Yes, and uh, you know, speaking of those versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, a little uh, unknown actor at that time uh, was in the 93 version, uh, Forrest Whitaker. And Forrest Whitaker oh, would later show up in our second film for this double feature of an Alien Invasion Films, Battlefield Earth. When we attacked your planet, all your soldiers and all their advanced technology could only put up a measly nine-minute fight before they were exterminated. Which is why man is an endangered species. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about Battlefield Earth, guys. Um... Oh... <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay, let's just get it right out there in the open now. Theodore Rex, Wired, Hurricane Heist, all the, I'll watch those on fucking rotation <laughs> before watching this one again. This, this fucking thing. Uh, you know what? You better go. I'm getting upset. I'm okay, getting upset so now. Let's, let's give him some background in case for some reason you're not aware of what I would probably consider the first joke movie of the new millennium. Uh, Battlefield Earth. It came out May 12th, 2000. Oh man, the new millennium's dawning. What big things do we have in store? Battlefield Earth. Uh, directed by Roger Christensen. Um, based on the novel by L. Ron Hubbard. And before we go too far into it, you know, the stars John Travolta. L. Ron Hubbard, obviously the guy who started the Church of Scientology. As far as I know from what I researched before we did this, the the actual novel and even the movie doesn't have a lot of the actual teachings of Scientology in there necessarily no and not I, really no. yeah and i mean i i'm not as one to judge i don't quite go as much into that particular belief system as it were uh but right at the same time i could see maybe that entire belief system really trying to bury this movie because this makes nobody look good <laughs> like no no this, it, anybody fucking anybody this, this is just bad for everybody involved and i mean all right oh fuck i you know <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, let's let's start with the obvious. So this sure. was a big passion project for John Travolta. John Travolta Who's of fucking awful in this movie. <laughs> See, you know, I agree that he's awful. I would argue though he's at least watchably awful, just in terms of he is going so hammy in a way oh, that God. fascinates me in a train wreck kind of way. As opposed to everyone else, just seems kind of bored. Like, I mean, <laughs> dude, you didn't think about that, did you, Rat Brain? <laughs> what the fuck? Take but, it down a notch, dude. But Adam, oh. just when you were learning to spell your name, I was being oh. trained to conquer yeah. galaxies. Oh, Senator! <laughs> Get the fuck! Dude, this, I mean, he literally, right after we recorded our last episode, I started watching this. Just because it's, it took me three days to finish this movie. <laughs> but, uh, I put it on and my wife's watching, she goes, why do they, well, God, why do they just keep showing his fucking face full screen? And she had nightmares about John Travolta's face that night. <laughs> it's so weird. Look at my face. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on in here? Oh my God, look at the size of my forehead. I mean, this is pretty much what killed any of the goodwill he had from Pulp Fiction, right? This, like, killed yes. anything. Because, yeah. I mean, because yeah, we need to talk, we should talk about that briefly. The track record of Travolta's career was pretty much that he was, came out in the 70s with, like, Welcome Back, Cotter, and Saturday Night Fever, and, you know, appearing in some Brian De Palma movies like Carrie and all that other stuff. He was mm-hmm. a star at that point. He even had, like, a number one album despite not being able to sing. It was a, a big time for him. Uh, and then that really dwindled. He kind of became a joke. Was in like "Look Who's Talking" movies, um, yeah. and then Pulp Fiction. You know, Tarantino famously took him out of obscurity and got him an Oscar nomination. And he also did like "Get Shorty" right after that. And he was a bit more of a big thing for a little bit in the, the late nineties. Oh, he was everywhere. He was everywhere too. Yeah. Yes. He he became a star once again. Then this happened, and he hasn't quite recovered really there have been a few times where he's been good like say the hairspray movie that he did 
he was fun in that. But his career, like, in this new millennium, has mostly just been very bad, shitty, almost straight-to-video now at this point performances. Awful. And then from what I understand that, that fucking one he's in now is atrocious. Gotti oh, or whatever? No, but Adam, the critics took out a hit on it. Audiences loved Gotti. If oh, you believe sure. the Twitter campaign. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. You know, not, it's not only Travolta, there's also Barry Pepper. He had potential to become kind of a big star. Like, you know, he did Saving Private Ryan, and he right. was really good in that. People noticed him. And then this game. And he's done pretty much nothing of note since. The last time I saw him in something big was something like True Grit. But I've seen him pop up here and there. He's still working. Yeah. He's just, no, he's, he's still working. He's yeah. like, But he's he's become basically like a character actor where I think right. they were trying to push him as a main star. And I, I just don't think um, even despite this movie, I don't think that would have been, unfortunately, really feasible for him as an actor. I think he works better as a character actor. I think so, too, because he's kind of odd. Yeah, especially the the bit where he's talking to all his fellow uh, people in the sort of the, the fellow man animals. He does the whole thing about like, have you seen one? Have you? Has anyone ever seen a demon, a monster, a beast? Huh? Like that thing. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck uh, are you doing? <laughs> uh, how many times was the word fucking man animal? I mean, it's nonstop, dude. Man animal, rat brain. It... And then you got Kim Coates like doing monkey noises the whole movie. Oh my god, I forgot that was Kim Coates. Until I rewatched yeah. it, like, oh fuck, this is Kim Coates. <laughs> I know, and I really like him too, but good god. He did this in Waterworld, like, pretty close to each other. We should also talk about some of the people in terms of uh, Roger Christensen, who apparently prior to this, he was a director, but he was more famous as he was the second unit director on um, stuff like The Phantom Menace and worked a lot with Lucasfilm, including he directed Black Angel, which is a weird sort of medieval short that premiered in front of The Empire Strikes Back. When that was uh, coming up, I recently unearthed that. It's a pretty good um, sort of like Ridley Scott legend esque short. It's it, I would recommend it. I, I think it's it's a fun little medieval short, and you can tell from stuff like that. Like he's obviously somebody who's worked a lot more behind the scenes, has a lot more sort of production skill, and I think that's the case here because he's trying to really frame everything more like mm-hmm. a storyboard, especially with the fucking Dutch angles. Dude, come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jesus, that and those fucking wipes. Oh, God. <laughs> what yeah, the was, fuck? Did George Lucas just come over in the editing process just like, you need more wipes here? Do a wipe there? Yeah. Wipe? Hey, wipe. Ro- hey Roger, uh, maybe give them a walkie-talkies. That's just my thought. <laughs> <laughs> George, that sounds stupid. I'm not going to do that. Fine, I'll pitch it to Steven. I think he'll like it. <laughs> Steven will like it. To hell with it. <laughs> Um, and I love yeah. the fact that like Travolta first went to Quentin Tarantino for this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Good luck with that shit. <laughs> He's just like ah, John, buddy. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna do it. Okay. I mean, it's cool though, man. It's right on. That's your thing. But just it's shit. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of reminds me. It's like a twist of like an Ed Wood movie, and also a bit of like an obscure Russian science fiction film from 1975 that you probably haven't heard of. Right. Right, you're right. Probably heard, but it's totally great. Um, <laughs> oh, dude, and uh, can we just address the uh, special effects real quick? Look, Adam, we're doing a review clearly of Battlefield Earth Nintendo 64 game, and those graphics at the time were even incredibly dated. Yeah, it's really fucking bad. It's really <laughs> dated looking. And why do the Cyclones, which is a really good name, by the way. <laughs> Why did they give them a fucking sixth finger on well, their I, hands that I, that never moves? Because they got no nothing in it to move it. So they all they all got their pinky out like they're drinking tea. I was waiting for Barry Pepper to kind of say, just like, it's a six-fingered man. He killed my father. <laughs> oh, my uh, God, dude. And my big thing more is just that I love that this came out the year prior to Fellowship of the Ring. And they do such a terrible job of making you convinced that these cyclos are like nine feet tall. Like, this was so a year before Fellowship of the Ring. I know, right? <laughs> Holy shit. The advancement in fucking visual effects between this and that. Wow. Well, I think a big part of it also, like, I was reading up on the production of this movie, and it's honestly fascinating. The production company was Franchise Pictures, who was kind of infamous at the time for taking passion projects from celebrities that studios were just like, no, we're not going to fucking fund this. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. And he, they would just like kind of take it, and they infamously overinflated a lot of the budgets, including this one, and they got sued by the other company, um, the Entertainment 
company that was also co-producing this, and ended up completely collapsing the studio. Oh, good. <laughs> and, and <laughs> That's I mean, what they fucking get. And you can tell because, like, I'm I'm honestly convinced they spent maybe ten million on like the costumes, the CG, and all that, and then yeah. most of the rest of it on Travolta. <laughs> it has to be. I mean, yeah. no, it literally has to be. Uh, I mean. These fucking how obvious is it that these guys are just walking around on stilts oh under God. these giant black rubber boots? <laughs> they look like the Michelin Man feet. One of my favorite parts of the movie that I literally laughed out loud is at near the end when they're doing their big revolution. They see Barry Pepper and they start going after him. And the one guy right walkie talkies him, "Hey, you got a squad of cyclones coming towards you." Fast and it shows them, but they're just slowly lumbering. <laughs> they're very slowly coming toward us. <laughs> yeah, they're on you. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them do anything. Barry Pepper, how often in the movie does he just run through a group of them? Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're just watching him. Hey, what the? Or they'll choke him because he gets choked a lot in this movie. And and also, you can just tell like so much of the visual stuff. Like it's so much of. Roger Christensen just aping different directors. Like, the whole scene where the Cyclos capture Harry Pepper and Kim Coates and all that in the abandoned mm-hmm. mall. It's just like, oh, man, I love Blade Runner 2, dude. They're going through the glass and shit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like I said, with the wipes, that's Star Wars. Right. With a lot of the settings, there was a lot. There was some Blade Runner. and it, it, They just ripped a ton of shit from, you know, decent movies and threw it in this one thinking, well, this worked in those movies, so it's got to work here if we put it all together. And just, no, it's just an incoherent mess. This is a mess of a film. But, Forrest Whitaker. Okay. Let's how dare you? <laughs> you fucking jerk. Because I really like you. But <laughs> come on, man. You were the chosen one, Whitaker. <laughs> yeah. I loved you, Forrest. <laughs> loved you, you like a brother. brother. <laughs> and, and this is like the year after Ghost Dog. And this is like the first, like, I uh-huh. think... It's definitely Travolta kind of, like, giving him a taste of, this is what selling out is like, Forrest. You can do this, mm-hmm. too. You don't have to be a respected indie up-and-coming actor anymore. Right. And, yeah. like, he, you can tell, just, like, the scenes of him, like, being intoxicated don't feel, uh, like they're acting. It feels very method. Um, just in terms yeah, of I, I how much of a, a shit he doesn't give throughout all that. It's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing that he just... <laughs> It's like he double crosses Travolta nine times or something like that in the movie. He says, like, "You're right, sir. I will do it again." And Travolta's like, "Finally, you're learning from my training." <laughs> <laughs> See, but okay, would you argue that any of that stuff, especially with Travolta, isn't at least funny, bad to some degree? Now it is, but it's a chore to get through it because no, you got to watch all the shit around it. I would agree with that. I think definitely this is a case where it's an infamous bad movie. You know, it's one of those that the Raspberry Awards, like, awarded so much, which, fuck those things anyway. They're they're garbage. I fucking hate the Razzies. Um, but they, they just pick on, like, something that's an obvious dog to kick, and this was, and admittedly deservedly so. It's like, oh, stop kicking that dog. Well, it did massacre an entire family. Well, hmm... I guess I don't feel too guilty about it then. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. Um, but still, it's it's definitely one of those where you might be t- tempted to kind of like watch it in a so bad it's good kind of way. Watch a super cut on YouTube. There are plenty of them that just like do the best parts, and it, it, it'll give you uh, like the train to conquer galaxies. It'll give you my favorite bit, which is where he's uh, talking to Forrest Whitaker. It's like, hmm, maybe we can talk to your friendly bartender and picks up the severed head. Or my favorite non Travolta funny bad thing, which is the senator guy who's just like, we'll keep you on for 50 cycles with extra options for renewal, with extra options for renewal. It just echoes for oh, no reason. I- what the fuck do they need gold for? <laughs> like, what? What? They're just... mining for gold. Now, okay, do you ever see anybody purchase anything with gold in this? Do you ever see anything made out of gold? No! no it, it just feels like Travolta has a stick up his ass, or gold brick up his ass, as it were, as they point yeah. out. Just like, well, all these will have to be smelted now! Um, <laughs> this is so dumb to what? I just, yeah, I, right, exactly. And you're telling me this big fucking dumb shit alien believed that they found they mined that much gold and smelted it into bricks in like two days? Well, no, I think I think that scene is trying to communicate that he knows that they didn't actually mine it, that they found it elsewhere, and he's just saying like, well, now that it all has to be smelted like this, it's just poorly communicated because this is a terrible movie. But it's a horrible movie. It's a horrible movie. 
No, and there's stuff I, that I, I could, I, there's stuff that in theory I would like in here, like the oh, really? factor. Of, like what? Well, like <laughs> the the factor of like them discovering the sort of um, the mini golf place that's just like covered in moss and shit like that, sort of the earth left behind kind of stuff. In theory, I would like that. Just the production design of it's garbage. It doesn't even look like a mini putt putt golf. It looks like a bad kids show. And they just stole props from it and put it all over right. covered grass, shit like that. Um, or, or even just, honestly, just watching it this entire time, it didn't dawn on me before, because I'd seen this prior, but watching it this time, I just really realized, man, this is somehow an even shittier version of Planet of the Apes than the Tim Burton movie. Yes. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. Wow, I didn't even think of that, but you are 100% correct. Because the Tim Burton movie at least had the Rick Baker makeup that's pretty cool to look at, even one. That's all it had, right. The makeup right. was fantastic. That, uh, this does not have that. It this doesn't have that at all. <laughs> at all. Here, put on these trash bags and stilts. You're good to go. <laughs> and these, like, uh, these Halloween claws that we got and we added a six finger to. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. And. Oh. And especially how it tries to build up like the hubris of the Turl character, John Travolta's character, and yeah. how that that ends with him. We're just like, well, at least you got your gold. <laughs> now, do they not feel pain? The Cyclones or whatever. Yeah, because I mean, he got his arm torn off, and he's just he like his fucking arm ripped around, or blown off or torn right the fuck off, and he doesn't even acknowledge that it happened. Well, no, I think he does, but it's just this weird non-reaction of just like like he was mildly pissed off that that happened. It's like, Travolta has that look on his face of just like, oh, the catering was slightly less good than it needed to be. Right. How dare you? But my arms lobbed off. I fucking, I just, I can't fucking, I don't understand. I don't understand what, what, Jesus. <laughs> what, what, what did they think the fucking outcome of releasing this was going to be? I know what they thought. I read what Travolta thought. That it was Star Wars but better, and also Schindler's List for sci-fi. <laughs> and he still defends it to this day yeah instead of doing what you should do if you're doing Schindler's List would you just look at the horror that's been caused and be like I could have done more I could have done more and you didn't the I mean the Schindler's List of of (laughs) sci-fi Oh my god. It's another one of these movies where, you know, we've said it before, but a making of movie about this movie would be extremely fascinating. I don't know no, if it would it ever happen. would if but... they could get it sans Travolta. Because at least you know anybody else who's going to be talking about it is going to be honest. Well, it's weird. Either see, here's, the, here's the thing. I would either want it completely sans Travolta and you just have like maybe archival clips of him talking about it or go completely 180 and do like that man on the moon documentary with Jim Carrey and just have John Travolta as the only interview. Oh, I could I could have watched an hour and a half of John Travolta's big fucking face. <laughs> no, but that would be fascinating to me just cuz like to just hear him talk like passionately about this movie and how much uh, he loved it and then they just cut to clips of the actual movie and the production and people being like this is fucking garbage. But he's right. so enthusiastic about it. Dude, he loves this fucking movie. <laughs> I mean, he said, I, I'd return to it if they ever redid it. Yeah, I go, I think you kind of killed that from ever happening. I could see, like, maybe sci-fi or something picking it up and doing, like, a TV version. Right. Like a stupid miniseries, but this will never get remade again. No, and even then, I'm sure they probably do kind of, like, have you ever seen, like, the actual, I, I saw, like, the original illustrations, and, the tr- like, the Cyclos are actually sort of these creatures that have, like, the helmets on, and they have, like, yeah. a tube that goes from their nose to, like, their stomach, for whatever reason. Just, the, like, right. they're, they're, like, sort of, like, Wookiee-type creatures, but a bit more sinister. That looks like a way better design that I'd want to see than this fucking bullshit. <laughs> whatever these Rastafarian <laughs> pale fucks. <laughs> well, right, why did they have fucking dreadlocks? I too? don't know. <laughs> like who dreaded their hair? <laughs> what the fuck? Dude? Why? Why didn't we get that scene where it's like Kelly Preston making her terrible cameo? Should have just been braiding Travolta's hair oh, the whole time. Just... Know, that that was a ridiculous, a, a blowjob joke cameo. That's great, right? Which is weird because really that would work a lot better if he had the longer tongue and she was satisfied by that. That honestly I makes more sense that agree. way. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever, Travolta, I guess. I don't know. Um, I've had it, buddy. <laughs> getting a tongue job. And on that note, let's get into our final thoughts about Battlefield Earth, Adam. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is the worst piece of shit, dude. 
This is one of the worst movies I've ever fucking seen in my life. Had you uh, seen it before? This is, this is your first that, time watching it. I This is my first time straight through, seeing it from front to back. Right. Um, I've never seen, like, the the second half of this movie, uh, <laughs> which goes to show something. Because I've tried to watch this movie a couple times just to see what it's about, and I can't make it past 30 minutes. Even then, it took me three fucking days to watch this. And when I stopped it, on the first night I watched it, I only had 40 minutes left. So it took me another two times to get through 40 fucking minutes of this thing. <laughs> this movie is just pure odd shit. Is this it is the worst shit. one we've done for the show so far? In my opinion, yes. Absolutely. Well, But I also have a problem. I, I've never liked John Travolta. Okay. So that definitely adds to it. Well, I don't know. It's your Theodore Rex is pretty bad. Right? Yeah, I know. That's the thing, is you just think about it. Because, I mean, this isn't top three, I'll say. I'll just start my final thoughts by saying it's definitely in the top <laughs> three of the worst ones. I'd still say Wired and Theodore Rex are worse for me. Uh, but this is still quite terrible. Even This is the second time I've actually watched it. Because I watched I don't it know with, how the hell you did that. I don't know. I, 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 we tried watching it as like a bad movie night in high school, and it was just a very dull experience for the most part and just yeah watching it here it it's it's such a miscalculation on so many levels but not in the way that we're mentioning where you would i'm sure people are tempted i've heard people who have listened to our show say like oh man you sold me like on theodore rex or this other movie to like watch it so bad it's good or whatever like no not for that movie not for this one either Mm -hmm. this is not one you can honestly really sit through in a similar fashion i finished it in a night but I had to like keep starting and stopping. I was just like, oh, I gotta like, I gotta take a break. <laughs> I gotta like, hold on for a bit. I need to get a beer. I need to make calm your, myself down. <laughs> make yourself take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so much. I try not to be distracted when I watch these movies, but yeah, there were just so many points. I'm just like, man, that phone looks super tempting. <laughs> What's Twitter yeah, like oh, yeah. right now? <laughs> for being able to do it. I mean, honestly, good on you. But what did I gain from this, Adam? I gained <laughs> nothing. Yeah, absolutely not. And, um, except this wonderful discussion we've had here where we're just laughing at how terrible this is. But it's not, like I said, a very consistently funny bad movie. There are moments, but just watch us super cut on YouTube. Uh, this is pretty disastrous on every single possible level that could be. And, uh, you know, with some of these movies that are considered, like, the worst ever, I sometimes watch them and I'm like, it's not that bad. This one earns that title. Very clearly, very boldly, but not in a way where it deserves to be dug up again. It's just like, yeah, just know it's terrible. You don't need to bother watching this. It's uh, no, dude, at no. all. It's atrocious. Um, yes, I can't. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, that ends our double feature discussion for this week. Uh, but we've got some feedback to read because you all had your own opinions out there on our Facebook page uh, at Double Edge Double Bill or uh, or on Twitter as well at D E D B Pod. Um, asking the question of best and worst alien movies, and we've got some people to read here. First off, uh, from Mallory Somerville, who says, Obviously, you can't go wrong with the classic Spielberg alien movies, but in my opinion, More of the World is one of the most underrated. One of the best features of his movies is how real the characters and situations feel, even when they're uh, literally otherworldly. This being a great example. I hope he goes back to his horror roots. And you know... I recently revisited uh, War of the Worlds. Um, mm-hmm. for, I was going through all the Spielberg movies, and I agree that that one holds up a lot better than people gave it credit for at the time. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think it's a it's a very uh, underrated movie. I got issues with it, but you know, I got issues with almost every movie. But yeah, I like it, and I think that's a actual fine choice for a good uh, alien invasion movie. I also make the strong argument it is as of yet still the best post nine eleven movie we've had. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can agree with that. In terms of dealing with, like, the direct result of that destruction, like, the entire yeah. scene of Tom Cruise running through and people turn to dust, and then he comes back and he's covered in the dust of those people, and he shakes know, it off. It's so effed up. <laughs> it's, it's such a palpable moment that, honestly, it's like a perfect melding of Spielberg's sort of genre and, um, you know, thriller roots that were mm-hmm. going around at that time. You know, that movie just get, got a lot of shit just because Tom Cruise is being weird at the time. That, yeah, <laughs> Riggs died. That's literally the only reason. Yeah, because that yeah. was like he was he was promoting the movie when he did the infamous Oprah appearance, I believe. Yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, so yeah. it was just bad timing for him. But yeah, the, that is one worth revisiting, and it'll be a recurring theme uh, through our, our feedback. But uh, next feedback from Elliot T. Yep. Shot, 
says, um, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Dude, that movie was fueled by pure cocaine, five storylines, and 20 characters, and somehow is a masterwork of economic storytelling. I, I really enjoy Buckaroo Banzai as well. I have a lot of fun. It's, it's, I do too. It's fun. It's out of control. But, I mean, yeah, it's so bizarre. But, yeah, that's a fun movie. I heard somebody describe it best as, it's like you're watching the eighth sequel in a franchise, and you aren't caught up to speed, really, on what's going on. And it yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> it also has probably one of my favorite Lithgow performances, too. The Banzai! He's so over the top. He's so fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So good. Um, written by W.D. Richter, as we mentioned prior. Um, of course, oh, yeah. Of this movie, yeah. Nate Thomas has this to say. Uh, the Thing, Close Encounters, Arrival, the new one, shows just how different alien life can be in terms of linguistics, perception of time, etc. Awesome. The Arrival with Sheen, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. I like how the movie showcased mankind losing its mind and becoming dangerous to each other as the survivors. The van scene sticks with me. Mars Attacks 2. Oh, and the original Day of the Earth stood still. An effing classic. Um, yeah, I mean, all those are pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to various degrees. Oh, I see, I haven't seen Arrival yet. The new one, the Denis Villeneuve movie. I haven't seen that one yet. I have a lot of problems with Arrival, but it has mm. such beautiful moments. I think particularly the first two-thirds, I think, are some of the best science fiction done in a big mainstream Hollywood film in a long time. Um, yeah. Amy Adams is fucking amazing in it, too. She deserved a lot more love for how great she was in that movie. Some of the twist mm-hmm. stuff I have issues with, uh, but it's still, it's um, it's worth watching. It's grown on me since I watched it the first time. Um, yeah, I gotta check that one out for sure. Yeah. Um, and Mars Attacks, I will say, is one that I always teeter on. Mars Attacks is one that I sometimes consider great, sometimes kind of terrible, it's very much like that uneven kind of movie for me, but when it hits, it's so gleefully just malicious and angry. In a yes, I, I agree with you 100%. It's real campy. Yes. And sometimes camp can be tiresome. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm not in the right mindset or the right mood to watch it, that movie's a hard one to get through. But if I'm in a mood for just pure campy zaniness, then that's a good go-to. I will say, has probably the most underrated Danny Elfman score of a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, that's true. It's a very good score. Uh, Speaking of Mars Attacks, uh, um, Shannon Wamba has this to say, uh, Mars Attacks! It's got Yodeling and Sir Tom Jones. What's not to love? Fair points, both of them. There you go. Uh, Joseph Magnuson has this to say, uh, Critters and Under the Skin. I can kind of see Critters. I think Critters is fun. Yeah, Critters is is fun. Yeah, Under the Skin's amazing, though. I, mean, I oh, haven't seen that one either. Skin. It's so good. It's I know. I, it's one of those ones I keep meaning to watch it, and then some will come up. It, I mean, literally, I've started that movie ten times. It's slow. It's definitely sort of Kubrickian, but it's like it, it gets so great. It's I have so much to say. We might eventually do that on the show at some point. But uh, but Brian King has this one. Uh, War of the Worlds 2005 is legit the best straight up alien invasion movie ever. Fight me. We won't. We like no, it too. I'm not gonna fight you. Yep. Calm down, Brian. Uh, we're good. Um, uh, Dan Chambos has this to say: uh, Independence Day, War of the Worlds, the original uh, 1950s version, and Mars Attacks. I don't get the love for Independence Day. I, I do not get the fucking love for Independence Day, and I've had an argument with this actual guy several <laughs> times. I hate Independence Day. I do not like it. I thought the sequel was complete dog shit. Well, yeah. The, fir- the first one is... I, I know. I can't do it. I don't like it at all. I think it's so tonally all over the place. The first one has three things going for it. Well, actually, I'll say four. The special effects still actually uh, hold up mm. pretty well, I would argue. Uh, Goldblum is also fun. It's not nearly as good as some of the other ones we mentioned, like a Jurassic Park uh, for him. Sure. But it's still fun. Uh, Bill Pullman, I'd say. I think the speech, despite how stupid it is, he delivers it with a lot of gusto. And more and importantly, really stupid. the only thing that makes that movie consistently watchable is Will Smith. Will Smith is giving that his all, and he's the only thing really keeping the movie consistently together. And he's really going for it. I mean, yeah. really, really, but yeah, I just, I don't get it. I ain't got love for that one at all. Nah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, Will Torres has this to say, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is the best. Signs is the worst. But not because it's a bad movie, but for an alien invasion, those guys really drop the ball. 
That's it. Yeah. Yeah, they really did. Fuck water. <laughs> My only weakness. Right. This planet's atmosphere. <laughs> like, good God. Yeah, I'll give them that. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is a good call. That, that talk about another one that just can't be fun. Yeah, and uh, some of I the most that. fascinatingly grotesque special effects ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that puppet scene is out of control. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and Signs is two-thirds of a good movie. Yes, The I first two-thirds build to something up really well, and then just really fucks up. <laughs> That's just yeah, like the beginning just really of the end. Yeah, they shit the bed. Yeah, yeah, they really shit the bed in the end of that one. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Bill Gabriel has this to add. Uh, the original Invaders from Mars, it has a great dreamlike quality for an invasion as seen through the eyes of a child. Which I've never seen the original. I've seen the Toby Hooper version from the 80s. I've never That's seen the, the one I've one. seen, too. I haven't seen yeah. the original, either. But I like the Toby Hooper one, though. That's a, yeah, a fun kid's invasion movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Stephen D., who is at WaitingFTH on Twitter, has this to say, I have a soft spot for Battle Los Angeles, to be honest. Least favorite is The Arrival. I'm not Uh-oh. sure if this counts as an invasion film, but The Hidden with Kyle MacLachlan is pretty fun. Good soundtrack, too. I haven't seen The Hidden. I've heard a lot of good things. I, it's good. I wouldn't call it an alien invasion film, per se, but it's a good movie. Yeah. And a good call on the soundtrack, too. I actually I love that soundtrack. Out of Los Angeles? I'm sorry, Steven. i got to disagree with you on that one there, buddy. It was almost the movie we picked for the bad feature. It was yeah, Right, exactly. That's a, that's a fucking movie, I'll tell you that. I mean, it is a movie. I mean, it's, it's just every war movie, but with aliens in it. It's such a cliche, mm-hmm. stupid war movie. But aliens yeah, and, uh, are involved. What's his name? What is Aaron, it? Aaron Eckhart? Aaron Eckhart, yeah. Just fucking stone wall performancing and the whole thing. And he, and he, you know. he literally starts off that movie saying, just like, well, I'm almost retired. He's just like, oh, God, oh, damn God. It. It's going to be just, one of those. I was, yeah, but literally just watching the movie, and I was just like, oh, we're, we're doing this. Well, uh, thank you for all that feedback, everybody. Um, we want to thank uh, some people before we go. Chris Oliver uh, does the music for our show. You can listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Uh, also, shout out to Emily Scarda for the art that she, we have for our podcast. Uh, she accepts commissions at fiverrwith2hours.com slash eescarda. And uh, you can find us, um, obviously, we mentioned uh, on Twitter and Facebook for our podcast overall. We also have an email address, uh, doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com. Um, we have, as well, our own uh, individual accounts on Twitter. I'm at NotTheWho'sTommy. And Adam? MalekithFan6969. Yep. Always Still great. Still haven't changed it. Still, Still haven't changed it. Still good. And uh, please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, rate and review the show. It helps us uh, to become more visible out there so more people can listen and we can build the cult of the double-edged devil, Bill. Come on, we have to... We're watching stuff like Battlefield Earth, guys. We want to hear... Just have more people listen to our suffering. That's the only yeah, reason yeah, we're doing absolutely. it. Please. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, until next time, everybody, uh, we must go off to conquer galaxies! Oh, <laughs>